You're listening to Fresh Oil, a podcast that examines the human condition while coming to terms with the purpose of life. Hello, you're listening to Fresh Oil with Billy Delaney, and my guest today is Jamie Salati. This is a very unusual individual, someone that I have known, someone who sat beside me whenever I was a newbie voice at Social Slam. And Jamie delivers a very highly strategic and result-driven client services based around message mapping and public relations and professional writing and content marketing and influencer relations, social media marketing, media relations, digital marketing, and internet marketing. Jamie listens, exchanges ideas, she executes, measures, and tweaks as you go along with her and grow. And I know that that's something that you're going to enjoy. So without much further ado, let me introduce you to Jamie Solati. <laughs> Hello, Jamie. How are you? <laughs> with that introduction, I was blushing. I mean, that just sounded so ridiculously hokey. And <coughs> I guess it's true, but it I is. never had anybody like tell it to me. <laughs> change a lot of those words <laughs> i like it i like <laughs> Thank it you. and just so you know uh, a fair warning i am a giggler okay so I'll i know that i've listened to your podcast <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you're the one and only jamie there's oh there's a no one like you okay so here we go this will probably start settling down some of the giggles <laughs> the opening question that i have for you is you know we we uh we look to go deeper and this is not about how great you are and how wonderful you are and uh, all of those kinds of things. This is about you, the person, not, your, not necessarily how you got to where your business is or what your business is about. So my first question for you today is, who inspires you to do the thinking that you do? ridiculous that is so hard who inspires me gosh oh my god okay next question okay well then let, let's bring it down a little bit i'll come back to this what drives your thinking what okay, drives your thinking that's more that's easier for me you know so let's just let's just say i'm in public relations as my core profession mm -hmm. and in my agency days in chicago <clears throat> where i was born and bred um, we were told all the time to read, read, read. I never really got that. What does that mean to read? And um, nowadays, how I, I am inspired is reading. And I can capture, I, there's, okay, so get this. You're going to go into my head and try to figure out how I think. That I don't know. I'm a clutter mess. I'm, I'm a tsunami Every time, every day, every night, all night long, every morning, I my brain is firing. And when I read a headline, I can write a blog post. I sit down and I'm inspired by a headline and I can sit down and write a blog post based on a headline okay. without even reading the story of what's happening. Because, mm -hmm. and that's just how I, how I work. I, I'm multi, okay, so multitasking is supposed to be the awfulest word in the in the vocabulary these days no one is allowed to multitask but for me <laughs> i'm not allowed i can't the multitasking police are going to come and get you i know and <laughs> and yet you know what if i'm sitting on a conference call i'm emptying my inbox because or i'm crafting an email at the same time i'm listening now i have to tell you transparency i am not doing anything here but, but talking to you so <laughs> that's so, cool no worries but yeah let so me ask you, you another question sure do you think with a paper and pencil in hand or some other device, like a maybe a recorder or something like that? Let's see. I love paper, and I'm strewn with paper in this office and house. It's really a shame. And I do tear sheets. You know, I tear out stories from magazines and newspapers. And mm -hmm. so thus, when I think I like to mark up a story and circle something and put a little note on there and put it in a pile. Now, whether I... Whether I go back and find the story again, I, I'm not sure. But in most of my thinking is in my brain, and I don't. Um, 
it would be helpful if I had my tablet near me to record my brain or to use a you know dictation device. Sometimes I'll write a blog post standing in a parking lot on my phone, mm-hmm. you know, etc. So I have used the devices and the technology to my advantage, just not to the extent of living and breathing technology. Um, sometimes I like to handwrite something in a pencil. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. So you tend to grab all of the thoughts that are going through your head at some time or another in some fashion or another, and in some way you keep them together so that uh, you can pull them back for other uh, uh, things like a blog post or a podcast or, or something that may have popped up about a customer or, mm-hmm. or a service or something you're providing, something along like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, because I'm in an agency world, meaning I have a, a nice couple handfuls of clients that I've got to represent, that I have the privilege of representing, I should say, and, and many more that I'd love to work for, right? And plus I have a podcast, The Heart of Marketing with John... John Olson and, and a blog and blog. I mean, I write for like six different blogs anyway. So when you have that many products that you're producing content for, it becomes extremely challenging to find the content in different places. So for me, I'm constantly seeking and scanning. I'll never read a story all the way through, but I'm seeking Mm -hmm. and scanning headlines all the time. If something captures me, I'll put it into Evernote on my, um, on my iMac and record it, you know, for later use, or I will send an email, a link to my email um, as well, or bookmark. So I try to capture things that way. I do that. I, I do that as well. I'll, I'll send myself an email with something that struck me mm-hmm. on a link I found or something like that. So we're starting to get a picture here of, of uh, what goes on inside your head, what drives your thinking. We're starting to see that it's a, a smorgasbord. It's not a linear dot by dot kind of thinking. And uh, there's people out there that are looking to have a business. And since they're not following the stylized, shiny, always bright, never anything goes wrong kind of information behind the photograph of some pearly white teethed guru media individual, (laughs) this is the reality of of the life. And you can be who you are and still produce for clients and customers. And this is fresh. This is why we call this uh, whole thing fresh oil, because we're not looking for the canned, thought out, deliberate, bland, vanilla statements. So here's another one for you. What is the toughest subject you do think about? That is really fascinating. You know, it's legal. I mean, (laughs) and... And so let me give you a little backdrop for that, why I say that word legal. Um, I have clients, uh, large multinational clients in legal publishing that I write for mm-hmm. and do consulting work for, number one. Number two, I'm also the chief business officer for a client. I just won a, uh, a legal battle in South Korea to protect our website, copyright infringement. Mm-hmm. And... I had to go find the lawyer and work with a lawyer. And, and I'm also constantly battling legal things with, uh, within that company uh, with employees filing suit or patients filing suit. And, and then also it's, it's copyright um, protection and intellectual property protection. I've written patents with a patent attorney. So these are very challenging subjects because it's, mm-hmm. it's out of my, it's more in my comfort zone now because I've had to learn it. And mm-hmm. be adept. And I think as a writer, I can often write briefs better than some lawyers. And they turn to me, and it's like a joke. Our attorney says, My junior lawyer, Jamie, it's like, okay, <laughs> woohoo, I've become a lawyer. But um, so yeah, legal's tough. And just the legality of the internet, you know, is this legal? Should I use a registered trademark, you know, on this word or is this a copyrighted word and do I have to be worried about it or works? Is this, is this stolen from somebody else? And, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. So the legal aspects of what we do every day are very complex and changing. And to me, that's a very complex arena to think and, and because it's not normal for me, it's not customary, it's not comfortable. Well, here you've just allowed yourself a little bit of, of, of uh, wiggle room and such because 
you presented yourself as sort of, oh, I'm all over the place and I'm scattered and I'm not really sure that I can answer that. But now, here you just turned around and you put a very linear, strategic, intellectual series of answers to how you think about tough things. Mm. So, folks, when you listen to this, don't let Jamie fool you. <laughs> There's a smart lady here right now. There's a smart lady. Okay. Now, I'm going to change it up a little bit. Okay. And I'm going to ask you to tell me a favorite story about working in your youth. Now, maybe it's about somewhere you lived or something like that. And I know you were in Shiraz, was it? Is that yes. how you pronounce it? Yeah, in Shiraz. And, and I looked all over that today as we got ready for this. I'd love to hear something about that. Gosh, working in my youth. Well, the Shiraz experience was not yeah, but... was not a place that I could work because it was in Iran. And mm -hmm. obviously, as a young woman... Um, well, just something about it then that would be great that you would like and remember well. I'll tell you what. Um, my my father's Iranian, so I lived in Iran when I was a child, and I speak Farsi at a very elementary level, and people laugh at me when I try to speak it, but I still try. Mm -hmm. And I can write it, and I write letters to my, my aunts and everything. But um, I remember it very fondly because we had uh, tremendous friends. It was, pr it was during the Shah regime, and things were very pro-Western, and... It was a very great place to live and beautiful country and, and, and wonderful people. So we had some some good times there. And, and I want to remember it that way yes. versus, versus the way, thing, as I'm sure you have memories of childhood as well. But it I formed do. me. It, it formed it, that that cultural biculturalism of being born in America and, and, and being half Iranian is really created me as an individual. And it mm -hmm. was... Um, some complexities about my adult life at being uh, from that era um, as well. We won't go into that, but um, the question you posed more is my work, um, a work story from when I was young. So one of the things that happened, my parents um, shipped me across the ocean to live with my grandparents. So from Iran to the United States when I was 12 years old mm -hmm. and I was alone traveling alone around the world. And, went from this you know beautiful city and in, in with my my family to living on a farm in wisconsin <laughs> and yeah so my grandma let me be a corn detasseler when i was 12 years old against the law because you weren't supposed to work until you were 13 so <laughs> she knew the family who owned the farm the big huge you know conglomerate in wisconsin so i was a corn detasseler and oh was i ridiculed because i was a kid and mm. I had an accent and I had a suntan and oh, it was, it was awful. It was awful. But I was the fastest corn detasseler in the West and uh, Midwest. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> so then I, I worked there every summer. I worked through high school as a corn detasseler and, you know, eventually worked up from, you know, um, a picker to a, a field boss. And I drove a dump truck into the city to pick up the kids. And then I, Drove a school bus. It was a double clutch school bus. Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, it was yeah. So those are the memories of youth working as a youth, and uh, so I started out working at twelve years old. That's cool. Incidentally, I was living in Libya back in nineteen sixty four, sixty three. I was there for a couple three years. Oh. So we were in the same region of the world together at the same sort of time. Not too far off it. I, I would dare say. And uh, it's, it's interesting. I love that part of the world. So let's move on a little bit. And I have an opening question for you about your hands. Okay. We see somebody in, just to finish up on your head there, <laughs> you progressed from sort of scattering around. You tightened it up really a bit. There, there's a thinker inside there, and I knew that. <laughs> and then you had, from a youth, you started to work. And that's a common theme, it seems to me, that a lot of people that are doing what they do as an entrepreneur, working in a company, working in a medium. They all seem to have got the, the bug of getting things done uh, young. So here's the opening question about your hands. Mm -hmm. And what I want to know is what brings you satisfaction in your work today? See, I want a happy client. I really do. I want, and I'll tell you, I had a conversation just Friday. It was uh, last last week, Friday, not so long ago. And I said to my client, I said, 
Dennis, I said, I do not know that I am impacting the results that you need from me. I am very fearful that you're spending your money on something I'm doing that isn't working for you. Let's try a new tact. Or if you want to tell me this <clears> isn't <throat> working, I'll get it. And he said, Jamie, we're in a tough position because we'd rather work with you than not with you. And I said, okay, then, you know, it just, it, it, I want to be very transparent and truthful with my clients. If I'm not delivering, I will feel so much guilt and I want them to be satisfied with my work. I want them to enjoy working with me. I want them to create with me and that relationship has to grow together. So that is, um, that's what I want the most, Billy, when, when it comes to client service. Okay, and you get your satisfaction when that happens. Absolutely. Okay, here's, here's a question that I think is very, is very important. What's your biggest challenge in doing what you do? Hands down, it's just being a solo. And I am, I'm struck by lack of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard that. And, and the, everything's moving so quickly. And yeah. I feel like the learning curve may have uh, stabilized somewhat mm -hmm. in the sense that the disruption we've all felt in the last five years, um, we can talk about that. I don't know if you're going to raise those questions or not, but since, since social media, since 2009, when I got on Twitter, it has been a running, running start to the finish line mm -hmm. and trying to catch up and get ahead and stay ahead. And, you know, it's been very challenging and, mm -hmm. and I know what I need to do to be successful for my own brand, but gosh, when I've got to do it for the clients, they don't understand. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the disparity in how advanced a client or a business is, is quite large. So, you know, we at the, at the, Leaders in the leadership position of digital marketing, we look behind and we can't even see those companies and brands that are still lagging and trying to catch up. That's mm. a disparity. Yeah. So the time that I don't have to do it well and right and with the, the technology I need to do it right, well and right, that's a problem for me. Okay. And, and, and having a team as well finding the expertise to help me because I can't do it all yet. I want to. I understand you. I definitely hear you because as uh, uh, my own, my own challenges in that area, as I've just limited myself to saying, these are what I'm going to use as channels. These are what I'm going to become competent at, not expert. And I'm going to go from there. Now, here's a question. And you can take your time with this one. What scares you the most about doing what you do? I don't need to take my time because I just wrote a blog post on this called the year of fear mm -hmm. predictions in the year of fear, 2016. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm ready to do a podcast. We're taping tomorrow actually on the heart of marketing with um, the year of fear. And what does that mean? And I made that up mm. and um, because no, I don't think anybody else is saying it right now, but what scares me the most Billy is just the world right now. And mm -hmm. That's where my head and heart lie, is in the fear of the scammers and the distrust and the fear of my brethren in store and, you know, the fear of, of, of bombing in the war. I mean, mm -hmm. all these yeah. things drive me to, to be fearful. And You wouldn't mother, be a person if they didn't, Jamie. None of us well, would be people if we if we had nothing like that in our mind right now, right? Yeah, I, I mean you're right, and 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 Paris and and mm -hmm. just all kinds of things. And I mean, it's hard to read the daily newspaper. I read the Wall Street Journal every day in print format, and um, hmm. you know, and I'm a mother as well. Yes. So I that that makes me fearful. You know, will my will my will I have enough money for my kids' college? Will she? graduate with a job to go to you know will she be safe without you know drugs and rape on campus i mean these are the yeah, they're real I, questions goodness sakes yes and my parents you know they're ailing they're they're aging i should say and mm -hmm. and gosh when will i 
have to, you know, deal with that. So those things drop, these are always in the back of my mind and they're, they're almost consuming me. But in my work life, my fear is just not having enough resources to do it right and well. Mm-hmm. And I can't, when I say resources, I mean my team, the constant expertise, the interest in working with me. I'm, I'm having some issues right now with the younger generation and um, it's very demoralizing actually. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just, uh, and time, time management as well. Well, I appreciate the candor there. That's, that's true. It's, that's the reason why I'm doing fresh oil. I was trying to get into marketing myself and circumstances was, I, I, I had been a minister and done a lot of work for over 35 years, had a doctorate behind me and, uh, in a lot of the things that are now becoming real in our world. And I was driven to bring this together. And when I talk to people like yourself, this is what I'm trying to pull out. This is, this is real people telling what's going on in their head, what's in their heart, what, what, what is happening. Now here's a question for you, mm-hmm. and this will probably wrap up uh, what you do with your hands and your work and the satisfaction and some of the fears that are driving it. Driving it. Would you do something else if the opportunity arose? <laughs> Never. I have to say, there is no greater profession than where I'm sitting right now today. And I was just talking to a client yesterday about public relations people, and he was telling me a very interesting little story. He said, you know, if I was a CMO of a company and I had to build my cabinet, I would absolutely put a PR person right next to me. He goes, don't you agree? And I said, I absolutely agree because after all of the learning that I've gotten to do in my agency world where I can learn a little about a ton and I keep learning every day and I'm challenged every day and with the late changelingism of a PR person with technology disruption, it's a fascinating time. And you know what? When I had my child as a single mother by choice, I elected to come out of the the world of, of accepting a paycheck from somebody else on a regular basis and work for myself again. For like the third or fourth time, I became another, um, got my company going again, and, uh, and I've been out ever since. My daughter is almost 14. So um, that means I've had to go find, you know, my own bread and butter. Mm-hmm. But because of what I do, I've gotten to do that because of what I do. So yes, my, my field and, but maybe I'm, maybe we're my generation. Maybe I'm the last bastion of, of that kind of PR person. I don't really know. Maybe I think we're seeing the end of pure. Well, we are pure PR is dead, but that person, that kind of person who's scrappy, who's had to, as you've said, work, from age 12 yes. and understood the work ethic that goes into wanting it. Mm-hmm. I think that's dead. I would agree with that entirely. I, I, uh, I am bivocational. I'm building this as a, a business for the future, going back into what I used to do. And I currently manage uh, a bakery, a commercial mm-hmm. enterprise, and there's about 160 people there. Mm-hmm. And the work ethic is non-existent. It, it, it isn't there, and I hate to see what that generation's children are going to be like as it comes through. So the hands aren't really uh, applied in any mm-hmm. fashion or anything like that. And uh, I just wrote a post about they've all gone down the rabbit hole through the, the, little, grass, the little glass screen, and they're not coming back. No, I and I, I don't think they are. And yet we're here, and we're, we're working at what we do. So... You wouldn't do something else and if you could. And what excites you the most about what you do and why? <laughs> no day is different, Billy. Every single day I've ever gotten up for the last 32 years in my profession, it has been a different day, a different <laughs> challenge. I, I, I'm not kidding. I it's, believe you. I believe yeah, you. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And, you know, I, I thrive on that. I create my own drama sometimes. I have to, for full transparency, I'll create a deadline if I'm bored. 
and just to have something to scurry toward. I mean, yeah. this is the kind of person I am. I feed off of a full plate. I love having too much to do and too many deadlines. And that's when I'm the most productive, most mm. highly productive. There's a lot of that in myself. And I agree with you entirely. There's nothing like the new day because it's not going to be the same as the other day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So we're going to move into a little area now. And uh, we've got plenty of time. We're going to talk about your heart. And we've talked a little bit about your head, your core beliefs, some of the values, the community. We've talked about your hands, what you find relevant, interesting, entertaining, things that drive you along. Now we want to talk about, in your heart, the things that, insights that you've accumulated that give you the leverage that make you who you are that nobody else could replace. We want to talk a little bit also, and some of the questions are there to drive a little bit of insight into some of the logic in your, in your heart and the emotion of your heart. So the first question is designed with, to really get you to think, how hard for you is it to be yourself? Oh, gosh. That's a fascinating question. And when you think of, when you speak of heart, I, I realize that my heart often hurts. And it hurts with too much love and compassion. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's difficult to be me because... Okay, this is going to sound so braggadocio. Are you kidding me? Bring it on. Oh, my God. I'm embarrassed. Um, I think at a higher level. I, I, I kind of sit at a higher level. And I look at things differently and more strategically than many. I agree. And, and I'm a problem solver as well. And yet, I want that connection. I want to make that connection. I don't want to just be a robot, you know, solving a problem. I want to have that heartful connection. Well, and I know that to be true. Do you remember mm -hmm. whenever Mark Schaefer had a call off at, I think it was his first or second social slam? Mm -hmm. At all the people there, who did he turn to? He turned to you to step in and you did and you took care of it. <laughs> I don't remember, but okay. That's what, that's what Mark and I discussed one day. He, oh, he turned to you and you helped him. And that shows the heart you have. Many people's hearts would shrink from something as testing as that. But it's Thank not, you. I appreciate that. So what do you do to keep yourself on track, to keep within the Jamie Solati that you can live with? What do you do? My daughter does that for me. Are you kidding me? Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It, 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 you know, as a single mom, there's <laughs> I'm no, laughing. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I know where the gray hair came from. <laughs> oh, believe me. Yes. You know, as a single mom, there's no other buffer. No. And, She's one highly intelligent child, and uh, she's going to be 14, I, I've mentioned, and mm -hmm. she keeps me hopping. Um, keeps me hopping so drastically, and, and I see so much of myself in her, and um, she keeps me grounded as well. Because and, and there's really no time to be egocentric. I mean, and if I get that way, believe me, I'm getting knocked down, because this is a life of hard knocks, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Um, what was the question? Did I answer it? Yeah, you did. I said, what do you do to keep yourself on track? And you okay. said it was your daughter kept you yeah. on track. Is there any other, is there any other tells? You know, sometimes whenever you get to running too fast or you get pulled away by being tired and, and you start to spiral down a little bit, maybe that's not your case, but that happens to me. And I have to, I have to say, hold on. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking how I can answer this because there's a couple of ways I could answer this, but I'll tell you what, when I am feeling down and blue, um, and it's very easy to do because I, I pretty much live in this basement, uh, <laughs> the lower level, I should say of my, of my home where I work. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, what engages me is everything online and rarely does the phone ring except for a moment ago when you had to uh, cut out that phone, mm -hmm. um, the, um, but I get up and go play tennis. So I need to whack the ball. Yesterday I had an incredibly um, depressing day. It was um, uh, something occurred in life that caused me to, you know, feel very depressed and blue. So I I went to the tennis court and I whacked the ball. And when I came off, I was sweating and and, and happy. 
it elates me tennis it's 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 what i live to do well, when I, I can well so, you've answered another question that was on here what do you do to keep yourself on track and i had been reading about you and i know that you're a level four tennis player and that's yes. a big deal in your world it is and so this is how you help yourself to stay on track go beat the tennis ball and clear out the the gremlins that are fighting around mm -hmm. inside yourself it's still and i'll tell you what you know what like anything a competitive sport there are a lot of politics and a lot of um mental attitudes on the tennis court depending upon whom you play with or against and the higher level you play the more mental the game becomes and it's very challenging and sometimes i'm totally exhausted after that that's why i love a good clinic a good drill mm -hmm. just to kind of who cares about there's no competition as far as well there is always competition but there's no competition as far as um who's gonna win mm -hmm. um mostly i compete with myself i i love i'll tell you what one thing that i used to do back in the day when i was on my own um in chicago at five o'clock i'd run to the gym and I'd get on that, you know, whatever machine I was working on, and I'd compete with the guy next to me. They didn't know it, but I was trying to compete with that person next to me to get, you know, go faster or something. Um, that's what drives me is competition. And um, But it's not always a game. You know, it's not always a race. I just have to mm -hmm. learn how to temper that competitive drive to really balance everything. That's the wisdom that's now coming out in my in my. Uh, seasoned you know three decades plus of work mm -hmm. i picked a book up the other day it was the inner game of tennis oh. i don't know if you've ever heard of it i will look for it and i picked it up because there was this guy that had a multi-level marketing magazine and he talked a lot about it about the inner game mm -hmm. and i have it sitting around here and i've been meaning to get to it and uh I'll pass on the, the information to you about it. It might be something you're interested in. Thank you. I'd love to see it. Okay, so here's another question. It's all about your heart. Mm -hmm. When do you know you're not on track? After a game of tennis, if it doesn't fix the problem, is, are there anything that you, you go, you know, uh, something's not right. I, I, I'm, I'm not getting where I want to be. Yes, absolutely. When I whine, when I'm complaining out loud, mm -hmm or when I'm whining about something, it doesn't happen often, but I have caught myself, especially in tennis, whining about something. And I don't like that quality. And I've apologized in the past and I try to catch myself. Um, when you let an ego, I don't want my ego to get in the way of, of tennis. You know, tennis is a very egotistic sport. And- Really? Oh, you know that, oh my gosh. <laughs> You know that. And and so when you reach a level, nobody wants to play with the people who are at a different level than you. Okay. Mm. But son of a gun, I had a 10 year absence. I was raising my kid for 10 years and I came back to tennis and I had a lot of work, a lot of hard work to do to get where I wanted to be, which is right now where I'm at. And I mean, I, I was relentless with wanting to, to drive to that level and reach my goal. But now that I'm at a goal where I, I, of course, I have more goals that I've set, but I don't want to forget that, you know what, I was at a lower level and I was a beginner once too. And I'm always happy to teach someone, but yet I still want that competitive, I, I still want that high level play for myself mm -hmm. because I can't, I can't get better. You know, I can't get better. I think my heart is a nurturer, Billy. Okay. I'm constantly nurturing people. And there comes a moment when I realize, oh my gosh, I'm being taken advantage of. And I trust so much and I'm vulnerable that way. And that's what upsets me the most mm -hmm. is why do I always want to trust first and answer, ask questions later. And, and that's where I constantly get into struggles with giving, mm -hmm. donating, mm -hmm fundraising, um, feeding people, mm -hmm. buying for others. And it's, it's, it's a weakness and a strength of mine that I'm trying to find a balance for. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. Whenever this is going on in your heart, your life, you're, you're working to be yourself, you're trying to keep yourself on track, when you get off track, who or what do you turn to for help? 
You know, there's only a few people that I, my college roommate and I are very tight and I'll have a conversation with her and she'll slap me upside the head <laughs> and say, I'm going to kill you if you don't stop doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly the conversation. It's very rare that I release and let people in that deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're not alone rare. there. Yeah, it's very rare. The shields are pretty up mm-hmm. and because you know that's a barrier of safety. That's a safety net for me. If, mm-hmm. if I let you into my heart, then you know what I'm going to hurt, and you might you might hurt me. Sure. So I I, I put up a safety net. Who helps me get out of it? It's me. I take a moment. I, I I maybe I take a day and I tell my kid. I'm like, look, mommy needs a timeout. I just need a timeout. I'm I'm in a mood, and she knows. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen frequently, but it's enough. I need to rejuvenate my sparks because I'm the only one who can lift me out. My family doesn't get me, so it, it doesn't matter. There's no help there. Um, so, yeah, it, it's really kind of self-imposed, Billy. It's really kind of a funky question because tennis rejuvenates me to no end. I, I feel amazing when I come off the court, hour and a half of a hard drill. Um or a really solid win against some top key players. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes me happy. I mean, it's really kind of a euphoria. I, I don't feel euphoria often. And and that word happy bothers me. Mm. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. I remember, you know, I remember not many years ago, there was a, a, a famous um, old Methodist preacher called Bob Jones. He said, happiness depends on happenings. And I'm not a happening kind of person. I like to have peace and quiet, go do what I like to do, and uh, joy, anything other than are you happy. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I think I'm in a certain state all the time, and it sounds like that's how you fly too. Well, you know, and it's ironic because I did run a whole annual series called the Happy Friday series on my blog at Solati.com, and this was a couple years ago before I went MIA for a year or so. And uh, it, it was intended to find the piece of happy that we're all missing. So for, for a full half of a year, I enlisted, it might have been 36 people, I think, at the end of the day, who wrote the Happy Friday post for me every Friday. Tracking that down was a big, big, big challenge, getting <laughs> people to write for, you know, write for me. But um, and then I turned around to thank everybody and, and recognized them for the rest of the year. But it was a full year of Fridays, literally. And it was a, an amazing series uh, that uh, that I still uh, read sometimes just to kind of find that piece of happy. Cool. Now, here's a couple of things that I tend to wrap everything down with. We've, uh, we've, we've got some time here. But I look at three key ingredients inside someone's heart. And that's charity, friendship, and something else we're going to talk about. Have you ever been the recipient of real charity? And how did that affect you? I'm not talking about charity as the gushy thing. I'm talking about charity as love with shoe leather. Charity as love in action. Um... Would it be awful if I said no? No, it wouldn't be awful at all. No. I, I don't accept it. I, I, I find it very difficult to allow that to happen because I give instead. Maybe that's my protection device. Mm-hmm. Maybe it feels it's easier for me to give than to receive. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes me feel, um, I don't know, makes me feel funky if I'm, if I'm going to be an object of or a, a recipient of some amazing charity. I, I'm sure that it's, it, it's happened. You know, I have to say, I was having an especially tough year last year, and um, out of the blue, my dear friend Rosemary O'Neill sent me flowers, and she said, you inspire me, was the note card she gave me. Mm-hmm. And that just made me cry. And mm-hmm. I was so, I, I was so shocked and grateful and astonished at her, her friendship, you know, and that the fact that she took that time. And I've, Jen Wynnum also sent me flowers at one point, just out of the blue, thinking, you know, thinking of you, 
So mm-hmm. it's just such a lovely gesture. And so well, that's real charity, Jamie. That's love and action. Yeah, that that kind of thing. So the word charity kind of uh, tripped me up there, but no, <laughs> my, it's meant to trip you up. It yeah, the word charity. I don't like that word. Um, no, I have social media. You know, Twitter saved my life. In 2009, when I was down here in this dank basement, dying where I live and just depressed as I'll get out in January or whenever it was, I got on Twitter and, and my whole world lit up. And I met the most amazing, you included, because I sat next to you. And oh, by the way, guys, here's a little ditty about Billy Delaney. I sat next to Billy at Social Slam. And as I'm taking notes with my iPad, here's Billy with his moleskin, his fountain pen, and he's taking notes in mind mapping. I will never forget that. (laughs) (laughs) My, somebody was paying attention. Never forget Billy Delaney. You are one gem, man, one gem. So yeah, that kind of, uh, and the people who sent me these flowers that I'm talking about, they're from social media. Yes, they are. And I have received some amazing love gifts from the people I've met in social media, really, truly. That's the kind of thing that I'm looking for. And that's the kind of thing I want the audience that listens to this to understand. There are real people living real lives and real things go on that challenge and test them and surprises come along to keep them going. So here's another one. Friendship. Do you have those count them on one hand friendships? Indeed. Care to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, oh my goodness. I, I, I mentioned my college roommate for sure. And there are, and she's deep with me. We're, we're in sync. We lived together, you know, for many years in college. And um, that friendship will never, never go away. But, you know, with friendships these days, friendships can be fleeting. Mm-hmm. And they're also very challenging because of this quote unquote busy. We're so busy. And, excuse me, the. Um, the fact about friendships, it's, it's fascinating. As a single mo- as a single mother, without that extra person in my home, I'm labeled differently, Billy. Mm-hmm. So the friendships that I might get to create are not truly friendships; they're acquaintances, mm-hmm. right? And and everyone is suspect now. There's no true friendship anymore. There are only um, pieces of it. And That's very astute. I agree yeah. with that. Mm-hmm. And and it and it hurts my heart. It hurts my heart because how many of us need that? But yeah, we do. We all yeah, need it, right? And and yet I can still I can still if I made a phone call, I I bet you money I could I could find fifty people who would come to my aid if I really was down and out. I know mm-hmm. that I could because you know what? For me. The word friendship, it, it's its kind of a different definition these days. Um, you, you cultivate a relationship, and I'm talking about online right now. Mm-hmm. The things that the people that are most dear to me right now are my online relationships and people I've gotten to meet IRL and cultivated those with Skype calls. And, you know, hey, can I call in a chit for the blah, blah, blah? Absolutely. Let me help you write that news release. You know, and, and oh, you're feeling glum today? Sending you hugs, you know, just whatever. And the outpouring of sentiment that I got in a Facebook post I put up yesterday was so sincere and so supportive. Now, mm-hmm. are these all my friends? No, they're no. not all my friends. But I know I can count on half of them if I really needed to. Hmm. That's a, that's a very nice insight. Because, you know, I've been documenting a little bit my wife's journey as she goes through cancer for the second time. Yes. There's a lot of people have posted some very, very nice sentiments. And uh, I know that they're friendly in the Facebook kind of way. And there's, there's, I wouldn't consider them my intimate friends either. Those couple that you can count on one hand that you can reach back through in your life. If you've got those, then you've got something that can help you off the internet. Agreed. Last question for you on this, and then I've got a little bonus. <laughs> What's the core ingredient that you would consider would describe you? Now, I've asked 
uh, a friend of ours, and I, I preempted it. I said, it could be integrity, it could be trust, it could be loyalty. What would you say is the core ingredient that describes Jamie Sulati? Hmm. And but you're going to ask me first to answer that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh, you trip me up again. You know what? It's just okay. I don't even know. Heart. I mean, love. I mean, it, believe it or not, I'm afraid of love, but I love. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of love, but I do love, and I and I, I'm pretty high on life. I'm 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 really I'm energy. I mean, maybe it's just bubbly energy. I don't know. It's not every day, but I mean, when you get me on the podcast and I'm laughing my butt off, that's the true me. I mean, I I just enjoy the front and center entertainment. I don't know. Um, God, I'm not answering that question. Pass. I pass. <laughs> you answered it. You answered it in spades. Okay. Okay. So we're winding it down a little bit now. And to close this thing out, this is when I turn the interview over to you. And I'm just going to preempt that and, and, and set it up for you. As you know, we've talked what Jamie's uh, forte is, is, is public uh, relations and all of the channels that are now available in the world today that you talked about trying to wrestle with and and stay abreast of and the kind of of uh, love she has for for all of that and for the next five or six or seven or eight minutes whatever it is whatever you've got on your mind that you would like to share whether it be how uh, this last event that just took place in your life which we talked about at the beginning of the podcast here uh, took over you or you want to talk about uh, promoting your business or what mm. you do or anything that you would like to say where it's at now it's all yours help yourself you're so crazy that I'm going to get this open mic to go say whatever I want to say gosh I'm not prepared for this um, but what I do want to say whomever is listening I want to say that don't ever stop and when you do you die and that means Find your piece of happy, find your slice, and jazz yourself. Do not rely on others to jazz you because you will be disappointed. And if you in life can find a significant event that makes you as a person re-energize, do treat yourself because I don't treat myself well. I put myself last. And... That's what I've always done. But now as my child comes first, um, I, I still have to remember that the reason I go play tennis during the day, during work hours, is because I need that. And I can come back and work harder because I've rejuvenated my body and my my mind is off, you know, the internet and my emails. Um, and... I'm embarking too, and you know, never stop learning because I'm embarking on this podcast episode with, um, it's not even a podcast, what's it called? A podcast um, venture, adventure, not an episode, with John Olson. And, you know, I asked him one day, just out of the blue, hey, you want to start a podcast with me? And he said, yeah. And then all of a sudden, here we are. So now, a year later, almost a year later, we have, I don't know, 53 episodes done and published and you know, we're trying to form, Billy, just like you, we're trying to form a passive income opportunity for when we're older mm -hmm. so that we can have a digital marketing realm so that people want to come to us and learn from what we know. And, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is, I don't know, this is funny, I don't know what I know until I know it and say it because I know so much that unless you ask me a question, I can't really spew the answer. I don't know that I can until I say it. Does mm -hmm. that make any sense at all? Oh, I understand. <laughs> I understand. That's my years in business. And I, I always am available to anybody who wants to ask me a question. I love, love, love to teach. I love to be a mentor. I want to help whomever needs it, you know, with a 
question about business or mm -hmm. social media or blogging. My blog is open. I there's that's a challenge for me is keeping my own brand um, alive and well. So I need help with my own blog. Um, so anybody who wants some love from me, I'm very happy to to share. Well, that's pretty cool. So whenever you uh, listen to this podcast and finish it up, if you'll go to freshoil.com under the podcast section, there'll be an article that will summarize some of the key things that Jamie has turned loose on us today. There'll be some quotes, there'll be some statements, and all the links to all of the relevant abilities to reach Jamie, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and so on and so forth. Her site, what she does, where you can explore more and learn, and her podcast, which is interesting to say the least. I and I've been listening to a few episodes the last few weeks to make sure I was up on what was coming today. <laughs> and I'll tell you, just to wrap it all up, as Jamie had mentioned, my first in real life meeting of Jamie was in uh, Knoxville when we went to the social slam. She sat beside me and it was enjoyable. It was encouraging. It was a very open and friendly time. And I really appreciate this lady coming on the show today because there's some questions here that could get, they could go, they could go hard. They could, they could become something that a person isn't happy with. But I've deliberately put these things together like this. And Jamie has been more than an open book today and revealed more than maybe she ever even would have thought or intended. So, if PR is something that you don't know much about, I do know that Jamie knows. And I do know that down the road, I'll probably be one of the people on the phone to her as I now start to develop this passive income myself. So Jamie Sulati, thank you very much for taking the time to spend an hour with me on Fresh Oil. Really, you are so amazing. I love you. You'll be rock hot. <laughs> Okay, Jamie, we'll call that a wrap. There you are, Jamie. Thank you for being on the show. <laughs> you are so clever. Look at those questions. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, I'm aiming for something different. Um, I'm like really, it. I'm aiming for just, I want to talk to certain people about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I want to let other people know that the shiny best vacation, best wedding, best marriage, best car, best business, best book, just best New York, everything. That's not real life. No, that's correct. You've been listening to Fresh Oil with Billy Delaney. Thanks for pressing play.